What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Episode number 51 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, June 14th, 2017. Uh, We are here like the milkman. You can rely on us every week, and we are obsolete. Um, <laughs> that's not very confident. That doesn't sound very confident. That's true. In our in our podcast, we're already obsolete, and even though we've been here for a year, um, that yeah, tip typical, typical awkward introduction yeah. uh, by Josh here that you've all come to love. Um, Listen, folks. yeah, we're here. The, the milkman, Listen. nice one. You you know if you want a professional, uh, very clinical podcast, I'm sure there's many great true crime podcasts out there. Yeah, that you can listen to that have hosts that are so boring that they will even put an insomniac to sleep. But yeah, you know you can. We're not naming names, by the way. You can go with so. that. No, absolutely not. I mean, there are some good ones that you know are really fun and actually are you know have people who seem like they actually give a shit about what they're saying. There's other people who are like. Just really, just monotone and sound rehearsed, and yeah, basically not a fan. the the ones that by us kissing their ass, we can maybe guest on their show and it will <laughs> boost our popularity. Those are the good ones that we're talking about, <laughs> and the ones that won't do anything for us whatsoever. Those are the boring ones that we were talking about. As for anything I've been doing lately, not much. I had a surprise graduation party that my. Uh, parents uh set up and that was actually really it was actually a genuine surprise and it was fun what did you graduate from by the way meet up with i graduated from the um clark college i got a aa transfer degree so i'm gonna go to wc vancouver and um in about a couple months or whatever starts in august so uh, i'm gonna be getting a bachelor's in humanities with an English and uh, maybe DTC or art credit, which is tacked on, because the humanities has two different things. So, and then maybe once I get that, because really what I want to do is hone my writing skills, because I'd like to, you know, write about film and do things like that. I mean, I would love to do a, a book on Unsolved Mysteries, but that'll never happen in a million years, because I guarantee John and Terry are not going to okay that. That, that'll be cease and desist letters sent right to my front doorstep. Uh, I think money talks with them, bottom line. <laughs> I think if you had the money to throw at them to license the name, I think that they would do it. Yeah. You, you sure? <laughs> well, the reason why I say that is because um, back when I was going through that stuff with their lawyer or whatever... Um, uh-huh. When I tried calling their offices, uh, the lawyer called me. He either called me back. Yeah, I think he called me back. And, I remember that. It was like, why are you calling calling me? Well, he said that, know, but he, he said something to the extent of um, because I was saying something like I, I wanted to talk to them about a compromise or something like that, and he called me back and he said, "Well, we're we're you know we're interested in hearing what your offer is going to be." Uh, so it kind of kind of made it seem like if I went in there going, uh-huh. "Hey guys, you know, let me use the logo and the music, and I'll pay you however many dollars." Uh-huh. You know, so I'm thinking they're open for business if you have the. Uh, uh-huh. Well, obviously they are because they let that shitty revamp happen. <laughs> you know, that was m- dollars and cents as far as they were concerned. I think. 
So yeah, I want to hone my writing skills, and then maybe after that, I might go to PSU and and enroll in the film program over there because the film program here is not very good. So yeah, that's cool. Um, well, for as for me on the Josh front, um, I have been busting my ass for the last few months, and as you have all. Well, most of you have probably seen, uh, I've released a full-length album by my band, Dancing with Ghosts, is out. It is completed. This is it. This All the songs have been uh, retracted, remixed, remastered. There's artwork. There's a, a whole CD. I, w- I wanted to go old school with it, you know, because, like, when I was young, I loved going to CD stores and actually, like, buying a CD and opening up the cellophane wrap and opening up the CD case. Oh, what, what's the CD going to look like? What's the booklet going to look like? And all. I love, I loved those memories. So, um, I, I wanted my album to look that, you know, I want to have a CD basically, but it's, uh-huh. it's completed. It is done. It is completed. And I am very proud of it. And a few of you listeners out there have already bought, uh, either the digital copy or physical copy. And I cannot express, just how freaking grateful I am that people whom I have never met would go out and support me in that way. And it just means so much to me. And I just want to thank every single one of you. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but seriously, though, like, it's, it's amazing. It is incredible. Uh, with that being said, if you would like to purchase a copy of four years of my life in music and my, really, my baby and child, uh, you can go to iTunes and get the digital copy there, or you can go to bandcamp.com uh, and get it from there, but the link is kind of stupid and long, uh, <laughs> so I will probably just put a link in the description of how you can uh, get the actual, if you want like a physical CD, uh, you can go there. Well, here it I've is. always wondered why they call it Bandcamp. Is it because of the popularity of that line from American Pie? Or I just think people will associate, oh, Bandcamp, I know that. Yeah, I, I don't I'm know. I'm familiar with I that. Think, yeah, I think it's kind of a lame name myself. Um, you know, like even... One re- time at Bandcamp. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can buy my, my stuff off of Bandcamp. Like, I'm thinking that Bandcamp's going to sell, like, trumpets and, and like, backpacks and, <laughs> like, like, like hats. Tubas. Like, 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 you know those hats that don't have the top, or the visors, you know? Like, just visors that you would oh, wear Oh, yeah, camp. yeah, yeah. Like, oh, like sunscreen to put on your nose. <laughs> like, that's what Bandcamp would sell. But no, it's uh, the the link is actually. Um, oh my god! None of you are gonna type this link in because it's t- it's https colon forward slash forward slash dancing with ghosts then the number two dot bandcamp dot com slash releases. Now, if you followed that link and you buy the CD, I will give you a fr- a freaking cookie. I will mail it. You probably won't want to eat it, <laughs> but good on you. If you're able to figure that out, as I said, the link will be in the description. A lot of people are probably like a lot of people are probably like uh, TLDR. I don't too know. long didn't read. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that's, that's that's a thing now, right? That's like a thing that yeah. the young kids are saying. Yeah, dude, I can't keep up with any. Of it. I can't <laughs> see that. That's why I feel like I'm never truly gonna be like a great YouTuber, um, or like anything outside of this podcast because. 
I am just not, I just don't give a shit enough about new stuff to like always be releasing videos about like the most current thing. And that's kind of what you got. Well, do. I don't either. I mean, and I release this stuff every now and then. And it's just one of those things. It's like, I just did a review of Baywatch, the Baywatch movie. If you're curious about seeing my thoughts on that movie, I personally thought it sucked, but you know, you can see why if you check out my channel. Uh, but it, it, I'm usually a little bit late, so I'm not like doing it right, right on opening weekend like a lot of these other people are. And it's because there's other stuff I want to watch, <laughs> and you know I want to think about it some more before I record a video. So I'm not like rushing into it and just recording a video the night of when I saw the movie. Yeah, well, see, at least you're covering like 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 new new movies. Like you're a movie guy, okay? So you you cover movies that just come out, and you saw directly the benefit of doing that when you covered the Ghostbusters movie on your <laughs> yeah, channel. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'm talking about. Like that's kind of what you have to do. Like for me, I'm my channel YouTube.com/slash/DancingWithGhosts. Um, it, it's it's a mixed bag, you know. I do all kinds of stuff, so it's like. I don't play new PS4 games. So, like, when the newest PlayStation game comes out, I'm not doing a video on it. Like, I I also do, like, uh, I don't know. I just do random shit, and, like, I don't really know. I don't know. I'm, like, in a weird spot with my channel right now where I don't know what I should do to, like, move forward with it. But only, like, 2% of the listeners give a shit about <laughs> any of this. So, um... <laughs> So what did you think about that 50th episode, Mike, when it was all edited and it was all put out? I thought, I thought That was, was very impressive. I thought you did a really great job. I loved the intro song, the little <laughs> intro that you did with the little mini, like, annoying uh, fairy or something. Basically, that, all the know. people who leave uh, negative reviews on our iTunes it's pretty much encapsulates yeah. all of them. Yeah, I thought that one went really well. Uh, I'm really glad that we've made it past the year mark. Uh, I mean, really, we could look at this as a marriage, you know? Me and Mike have made it a year together, and, you know, we, yeah, we're, we're like old people in the sense that when we do sleep, and when we do go to bed at night, we have two separate beds, you know, that are very far apart from each other, and but we still say goodnight, honey, and when we go to bed and all that, so, so far, the marriage is going well, you know? <laughs> Mike just needs uh, he just needs to get a job, you know, to to, you know, to to pull his weight, you know. Although he does do the dishes when I'm at work, so that's good. Nah, 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 why don't you get a job? Oh yeah, you've been on an <laughs> offspring kick lately, haven't you? Yeah, I have been. They're a good band. Pretty awesome band. It's a good kick to get on. So, speaking of kicks, we're on an unsolved mysteries kicks as usual. I've never heard of that. And <laughs> Really? Does, yeah, what's it did somebody about? brainwash you? Yeah, I don't like, know who why is I'm here. this. Who, who, <laughs> who am I talking to? Right Which is now? weird. It's weird that I got brainwashed because it's like I don't know the show. I don't know who you are, but yet I still have the know-how to set up all this recording gear and know exactly how to like you know synchronize like our recordings. And all uh, that. It's, it's like selective amnesia. You know what I mean? <laughs> all right, so. Of course, you know what we're talking about. So, um, or what I'm going to be talking about. 
originally I had picked I had picked a different case, but then I remembered or Josh let me know that he covered it already as a bonus segment. So I didn't really want to anger our patrons, so I decided, okay, let's <laughs> let's let's cover a different case. Yes. This is a case. <laughs> well, before you get into that, if you would like to know what case we were going to cover, but I already covered, uh, and you would like to support us on Patreon, it's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. And the case he is referring to is the case of John Hawkins, uh, the doctor, and all that. It, it's a great case. I guess I didn't tell Mike that I already covered it, because like, when we discussed like, the segments we were going to cover this week, He's like, oh, yeah, I want to talk about John Hawkins. It's a great case of fraud, murder, this, that, and the other. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then when it got down to doing it, I was like, wait a second, John Hawkins? No, no, I already did that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, this, this one, this selection was kind of last minute, but, uh, you know, obviously... Uh, Mike's pretty familiar with this one. I, I maybe I might. Yeah, this is one that uh, Thomas Hatfield actually uh, did a guess that segment on, and it, on our Facebook group, our channel moderator. Exactly, uh, group moderator. But yeah, there's a difference between channel and group. But yeah, and that group it's, that group is un- uh, uncovering unexplained mysteries. If you'd like to join it, by the way. And uh, so. I decided to choose this one because I actually like this case. I think it's a pretty good case. Also, there's a certain part of it that I even mentioned earlier in the podcast, in another episode of the podcast. So I thought it kind of made sense to just talk about it anyway. And this is the case of Rhonda Hinson. It was a 19-year-old girl who ended up being killed after returning home from a Christmas party. So this is a murder So during the holiday season, office Christmas parties are a traditional way of easing into the festive spirit. Unless you watch the movie Office Christmas Party, and that's not a traditional or easy uh, type of uh, Christmas party. It's just fucking insanity and gross-out humor, and there's no easing into the festive spirit with that movie. Uh, The night of December 22nd, 1981 marked the first company Christmas party for a 19-year-old girl named Rhonda Hinson. Rhonda had recently graduated from high school in Valdez, North Carolina, and or Valdese, I don't know how to say it. I, I, I'm just doing my best. And was celebrating her first job as a clerical worker for a local steel company. At midnight, Rhonda left the party with two girlfriends. After dropping off her companions, Rhonda planned to make the 10-mile drive to her home, where she lived with her parents. At exactly 1 o'clock a.m., Rhonda's mother, Judy Hinson, awoke from a sound sleep with a strange premonition. I woke up feeling panicky, scared, because I felt like something had happened to Rhonda. I felt like Rhonda was dead. I felt like she had been in an automobile accident. That has to be an absolutely horrible feeling. It's a very specific feeling, too. Yeah, exactly. So Rhonda's car was just discovered a half a mile from her home. The driver's door was open, and a few feet away, Rhonda was found dead. She was lying on her back, and her arms appeared to have been deliberately placed at her side. Tests showed that Rhonda Hinson had been killed by a single bullet fired by a high-powered rifle. This bullet was fired with such force, it passed through the trunk of her car, through her seat, and penetrated her heart. Jesus. The murder of Rhonda Hinson at first appeared to be a random act of violence, but as the investigation proceeded, disturbing clues began to surface, suggesting that Rhonda may have been murdered by someone who knew her. 
In high school, Rhonda was a popular girl, an expert tennis player who had, cho- had, who had many close friends. But several weeks after her graduation, she began to behave strangely. Though normally happy to drive alone, Rhonda began to ask her father to accompany her on trips into town. And she also started doing other things, like she started to take a bunch of showers and things like that, and she started to let her mom know that she felt like she was dirty, which is really worrisome, because that's the kind of thing you normally hear from someone who's being abused, sexually or physically or both. I think it's kind of an, a trait of OCD as well, but that's just because I have OCD. That's probably the only reason I'm saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but if she's not, from what I've heard in this particular segment and from her mother, she's not OCD. So it's this person who all of a sudden her behavior is changing. She's not feeling like she's clean and she's doing all taking all these showers in the middle of the night and doing stuff like this. It's, it's definitely strange. Something is definitely up. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre behavior. Out of the ordinary for her. Not for me, but for her. (laughs) So, um, on one of these trips with her father into town, she made a disturbing statement to her father, Bobby Hinson. I said, what is it, Rhonda? I said, no matter whether it's good or bad, tell me. And she said, I'll think about it. And she never did explain, never did tell me why, what it was. You know, she's afraid to tell me. And her mother also recalled an uncharacteristic conversation shortly before Rhonda's death. According to her mother, Rhonda wanted to know if it was acceptable to date a married man. I said, Rhonda, there's never a time that it's all right to go with a married man. The only thing that comes from that is people getting hurt. So Rhonda's comment suggested that she was under some kind of personal pressure. And according to Special Agent John Suttle of the North Carolina FBI, the police investigation began to uncover evidence that someone may have been stalking Rhonda on the night of her death. Between 12.15 and 12.30 in the morning that Rhonda Henson was murdered, a witness drove under the Interstate 40 bridge on Mineral Springs Mountain Road. She observed a blue Chevrolet facing in a northerly direction with two white males in the vehicle. The par was par- the car, the par, on par. The car was parked next to the same off-ramp that Rhonda used to exit. It was spotted 30 minutes before the fatal bullet was fired and just 200 yards from where her body was found. Later that evening, another witness traveling down the same road passed a similar blue car with a single man at the wheel, speeding away from the murder site. As he continued down the road, the witness saw Rhonda's vehicle parked at the same spot where her body was found. A woman was slumped over the steering wheel and the man was standing at her door. The witness was unable to get a close look at the man and drove on, assuming the couple was drunk. With so few clues to go on, police put their witness under hypnosis and asked him to recall more details about the murder scene. And this segment is really well put together when they showed the hypnosis thing because they showed what it would look like from the perspective of this guy while he's under hypnosis. And so you have the the typical awesome cinematography from this show, and then there's like an extra touch to it where they kind of blurred the picture and slowed things down to make it look like it's some dream or, or, or a vision that the guy is having while he's under hypnosis. All right, gang, so if you're playing our Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries drinking game, 
Uh, every time somebody gets put under hypnosis or uses a Freedom of Information Act, you have to take a shot. So for those <laughs> who's playing right now, go ahead and take you a shot. Uh, okay. So he's quoted here. He says, a Chevelle. It looks blue. 70 model, I believe. Looks like the front end of it has been messed up. It's in primer. The primer is gray. He's not a big guy. He's about six foot or five ten. He's about medium build, sort of a dark brown haired guy. Surprisingly, the witness also recalled seeing a second car parked down the road from Rhonda, Rhonda's vehicle. The car was a black or dark blue Trans Am. Some believe that the car may have been driven by the murderer. Many years have passed since the Christmas party ended in tragedy, but Rhonda's mother still keeps her daughter's room exactly the way it was when Rhonda was alive. I can almost imagine Rhonda is still there. We have a baby doll that she had years and years ago. We've kept that out. We've kept some of her trophies out. The grave marker, I think, says it all. And the grave marker there, there is a, are always a rays of sunshine. That's the description that we have of Rhonda. It's a perfect description. A twenty thousand dollar reward is being offered in this case. Now it does have it doesn't really have much of an uptake because this is an unsolved mystery. This has not been solved. We don't know who it is that killed her. Uh, for all we know, they definitely got away with it. They could still be alive. There's this information from the guy who was under hypnosis, but that's really about it. Uh, according to Rhonda's mother, foreign DNA was recovered on her sweater, but the DNA has never been matched to a suspect. Yeah, now, this is this is obviously tragic and you know the cases on unsolved mysteries where and and uh, i don't know if i can talk about that um well i guess i can i i just won't be anyway uh i i was tapped to uh i guess audition for this uh this this uh show who was looking yeah. at it. it's like a mystery show or something and, oh yeah i remember that yeah, yeah and they wanted uh they wanted a host and you'd have to like one of the things you'd be doing is is talking to the uh, victims uh like family uh-huh. and uh i just i just don't think i could do that honestly um because this is this is like another one of those cases where the parent is dealing with the death of a child and we're actually going to do another one of those cases later on this episode so this one <laughs> mark this under fucking bummer episode but hey there's some one there's, big bummer there's a juicy steak at the end of at the end of this yeah um not literally proverbially obviously but um yeah so what what do you think about like when parents leave the room exactly the same do you think that that's do you think that that's them not being able or not letting themselves move on, or do you think that's that's how I look at it? I mean, I could be wrong, but I mean, it just seems like a very strange thing to do, and it does seem like an obsessive kind of behavior. Uh, just leave it the same way as it's always been, because that's happened as in if multiple, nothing has ever happened. That's happened on multiple segments that we've talked about. Where the child dies, and when I say child, a lot of times they're in their teens and late twenties, so it's not like they're literally children. They they were older, they were living their life, and you know they ran into some shit, 
And uh, yeah, like I remember the one case we talked about where not only did the parents leave the kids' room the same, but they actually left like the blood and the bullet hole, and they had like this uh, ballistics kind of like those. But that one kind of made sense because they're trying to have a guy come in and investigate some more and look into the case further. Um, just knowing that scene, basically, yeah, you, you got the murder scene. That is that is strange in your too. house that, is, uh, that you yeah. live your everyday life in, and you know that that room beyond that door is a bunch of negativity. That's just surreal to think that anyone would really want to keep it like that. Yeah, I mean. I you know uh, yeah you, you you know you want to keep certain- it's always a perpetual crime scene yeah I mean you want to keep certain mementos and all but to to keep everything how it was I mean I mean d- you know lot, look I mean I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say anything like oh you should never do that you know it's their house it's it's their decision you know whatever they want to do but from my perspective it, it definitely is something that just does make me pause and go eh, well, life i don't life know if is... that's really the best thing to do because i i personally look at that i'm not saying get rid of everything and throw it in the trash i mean you can keep things it's just one of those i don't know how you can truthfully move on if everything is just like it was before your loved one died because every time you go in that room, it would just remind you of what had happened. And I mean, no matter what your religious beliefs are or what religious beliefs you don't have, I tend to not have any. Um, just, I mean, watching the reincarnation segments on Unsolved Mysteries can be kind of um, consoling in a way. Um, yeah. I've watched those, and, and, and I really, I don't know, I kind of do have this, this belief now, almost as a result of watching those, that th- that death is a peaceful thing for the person enduring it. And I'm not talking about what kills them. I mean, yeah, there's pain and suffering before you die, but like after you die, from all I've heard from every everywhere, from every instance, death is a peaceful thing for the person who it's happening to. Whatever is in your brain, there's some kind of device, some kind of, uh, you know, the, the big red button that gets pushed when you die. And it and it, whether it's just a matter of releasing a bunch of, like, chemicals in your brain that make you feel at peace or if there's actual some kind of spiritual thing, I don't know. But my point is, is that wherever that person is who is deceased, they're so far beyond all this earthly bullshit this physical possessions and having these 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 petty fears and these petty worries that we all have in our everyday life and they are on a, a different plane in another place as elvis once said uh to his uh i think brother-in-law red west before he died ne- hey man next time you see me i'm gonna be on a different plane and another on another level baby uh but uh okay johnny bravo yeah that's more like johnny bravo than anything else (laughs) but yeah my point is that keeping i think keeping the room the same only only tortures you the parent or the the one who's left behind you know i I think it only i think it only uh i mean unless it somehow brings you comfort which i don't see how it would i mean i I don't know if it does cool yeah if it doesn't then that's the thing that does make me question the decision but really what I want to ask is, who do you think killed her? Like, what what are your theories? Because I think it might have been 
directly involved with whoever she was dating. If she was dating some married man, um, maybe it was somebody who knew the guy, or maybe it was the guy himself. Well, who knows? When you, when you get into that, when you get, you know, they say that murder is, there's like three basic motives for every murder. It's sex, money, or revenge, I believe, are the three. Um, now, we could have, re- I think it's revenge and money in in this, well, not maybe not revenge. Money. I, I don't think it's money. No. What money? I think money is the big one for, for this murder. Really? Yes, because if this guy's married and he's fucking around with this chick and... You know, we don't know anything this chick has said. Maybe maybe there was some kind of conversation. Okay, I'll just tell you how these situations usually play out. If you're messing around with someone who's married, nine times out of ten, they're not going to leave their husband or wife for you. They're just not. Yeah. You are a fling. Yeah. You are something for them to, pardon my language here, something for them to get their dick wet and something new. You know, because they get tired of the same whatever, he or she, whatever, because women cheat as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're not going to leave their partner for you. So you're basically just a a sex object. And, you know, you are, after having this sexual act with this person, if you're not like Fort Knox with your keeping your mouth shut, you can make a lot of trouble for this person. You can yeah. you can divulge some information that would be so devastating to this person's spouse that a divorce might happen. Divorces can uh-huh. be expensive. Divorces can be messy. Okay, all right, I, I can see your point there. You, some people would rather, in some cases, and, I, and we've seen this time after time, some people would rather kill their wife than go through a divorce or kill their whole family rather than go through a divorce or do that so they can get the life insurance policy you know that's another yeah, thing that's people a, do that's but that's enough, of course that's that, a different story that wraps around to money yet again yeah so i think this i think ronda could have potentially and this is just me speculating here she could have potentially wanted something more and he didn't or she could have been like hey you know uh this is messed up and if you don't you know, tell your wife about us, and I will. And so now he's got yeah. now he's got this loose end, this loose exactly. this loose cannon out there. And he he could have done it himself, or he could have hired other people to do it. And that because that kind of ties into the other person that the guy under hypnosis supposedly saw. But how reliable is that testimony, really? This guy was driving by at night. He saw a car and maybe another one in the corner of his eye briefly while he drove by. How is this hypnosis testimony where he went under and then supposedly everything was now moving in slow motion and he was able to see every minute detail? I think all that matters. Something he saw in the corner of his eye. I think all that matters are her own words when she said, "Mama, is it is it okay to go with a married man?" Yeah. I mean, these are yeah. that's right from the straight from the horse's mouth right there. That was going on. You know, yeah. y- y- you don't that's like when you go, "Yeah, Mike, I I got a, you know, uh, I'm asking for a friend here, but I got this weird rash, you know, downstairs and uh just asking for a friend." <laughs> But, uh, you know, is there anything I can do for it to make it go away? Uh, clearly, I'm not asking for a friend. And exactly. that has ha- that, that conversation has transpired between me and Mike, but that's a different story. Um, but, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you know, I, I think that that's I think that's exactly what happened. And and I mean, what what's the setting of this? Uh, where is North Carolina? It's in North Carolina. Oh, OK. The South, North Carolina. Guns, God and country. Uh, yeah. This guy probably had a loose cannon on his hands that was going to fuck his shit up somehow. And he probably was like, hell, it'd be easier for me to kill her and then resume my life as this piece of shit uh, and have my wife not know about it than have this person who... And there's a potential that he could be someone, you know, he could have been a police officer, could have been somebody that was pretty big in the community and didn't want to have his status completely destroyed or ruined because of this affair. Yep. Absolutely. So, I mean, the motive to me is pretty clear. The the, the only problem is the the proof and the uh the evidence or lack thereof. Um you know, but you know, people aren't geniuses. It's pretty you know, people are pretty caveman like when it comes to motives for things you know so that's why i think police have generally been able to boil it it down to say there are some people though that are legitimate geniuses right. but they're very they're very rare there's exceptions there's sociopaths there's, there's exceptions to the rules but i think in general in this case to me what it looks like is there's just an impulse it was a guy who who didn't want his reputation ruined because dude and- in divorces like uh the one we talked about with with uh, Dennis DePew, DePew, because he stinks. He especially stinks now, rotting in the grave. Ooh, but he deserved it. I don't feel bad. Uh, piss on his grave. He was a very bad man. Bad man. He was a bastard. He went through his. Uh, he uh, but like he went through his divorce proceeding, and he lost the house. He lost all this other shit. All he had was like this little uh, workspace uh, garage thing that was on the property that he wanted to keep. And the only way, reason he wanted to keep it was so he could still control the family. But I mean, yeah, you know. Which was weird that they even let him still stay there. Yeah. that You know, the the wife was probably trying to be, okay, well, if he's giving me all this stuff, then, then I'm going to be the bigger woman in this case. Instead of the bigger man, because, you know, of course, that's really not... You can't really use that term. Sexist. I'm going to be the bigger man. Sexist. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it would be sexist if I said bigger man in this situation. Uh, but anyway, so she decided I'm going to do the right thing, and it turned out to be something that really caused a lot of issues for her. Well, I So mean, who knows? I mean, you know, th- you're right. I mean, divorce was probably one of the main motives here the guy didn't want a divorce he also probably didn't want his status to be ruined and so he either he killed her himself shot her through the heart or he had someone else do it and what makes this guy even more of a bastard is the fact that she was 19 and god knows how old he was so exactly so he has the experience of the world under his belt and she's 19 a 19 year old kid you know yeah it's still a teenager technically and before christmas and before Christmas. Um, I mean, that's, you know, I, I understand, you know, it shouldn't matter what the date is. But, I mean, when you have murders like this occur on a holiday that is so well-known and widespread and happens every year, you know, it, it does put a damp it does dampen, you know, your enthusiasm any year afterwards towards the holiday. 
because you just reminded of, oh, it's Christmas, it's Christmas is coming, but also this is around the time that my daughter was murdered by some fucking scumbag. It's Christmas time and I can't sleep. I couldn't sleep too either if I was hearing that voice every night. Mike, that, that was supposed to be like a precious voice of a, a little boy in his wonder. Reminds me of that awful kid from the uh, worst episode segment. That, oh you know, yeah, Jesus loves me. This I know for the best. Yeah. Oh my God! Don't <laughs> remind me of that. Oh, oh, trying to get that in my head. Go back, <laughs> folks, if you want to know what we're talking about, we did a uh, some of the worst Unsolved Mysteries episodes, I think, at the uh, end of uh, 2016. You should go back and uh, check those out, because uh, that, was, that, was, uh, that, was, that was awful. Unsolved Mysteries doesn't always, um, doesn't always produce gold. They have, there have been some lumps of shit in our stocking yeah. before from them. Not many! Not many! No. But there are some. Uh, but yeah, what about as for this case? I don't really know what else to say. Um, I think I think I've said my piece. Now, this next case that Josh picked, and I think someone else uh, uh, actually requested this, right? Yeah, someone um, just typed in all caps in our uh, group. They go, "Texas most wanted." <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, okay. I, I'm guessing that they want We're gonna us do it. to maybe talk about the Texas Most Wanted case. Maybe? We're going to talk about Texas Most Wanted. Texas Most Wanted. <laughs> Sega. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so, um, the case of Edward Harold Bell. So there, th- this was on the ultimate uh, collection under the Bizarre Murders. Um, and, and it's on season five. And the other segment we just talked about, Rhonda Hinson, is on season two on Amazon. Thank God we're finally getting out of the first, like, two seasons with shit. Because I feel like, like, the last, like, ten episodes have all been from 89 or 90. It's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. Every time I go and do the notes for the SoundCloud when I'm posting the podcast... And I go and look when the episode aired. I'm like, good lord. It's like everything we talk about is from 89 or 90, from season one or two. So I'm glad we're getting into the later Well, Rhonda Hinson was about season two, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, Marcos Buda was from, like, season five, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, so finally we're starting to break away from the, the late 80s, early 90s. Not that I have a problem with that, but it's like I'd like to get some of the other bits of the show in there, too, besides just <laughs> yeah. the early days. Um. Now, I'll say, uh, folks, uh, I obviously I've known about this case. I've, I know this case very well. Uh, there's a reason why I've avoided this case. And this is one of the only cases on Unsolved Mysteries that I really uh, is hard for me to watch. Um, besides the animal abuse cases, which I just refuse to talk about, because uh, I can't watch them, and I haven't watched them, and I'm not going to, because I don't know, I'm not, I don't work for PETA, uh, I'm not involved with people for the ethical treatment of animals or any of that kind of hippity-dippity going too far to one end of the spectrum bullshit, but I, I can't stand even watching uh, abuse to dogs or cats or any kind of animals for that matter. Uh, I will eat the animals, um, at a steakhouse when they don't look like animals anymore and they just look like a piece of meat, I will eat that. But I Well, certain types of animals, right? You're not going to... I'll eat any animal. Dog, cat? Uh, if, if you cook horse. it... Horse? If, if you cook it correctly, I'll eat a parrot. I'll eat a porpoise. 
but I, I don't know if I go that far. Okay, I'm, I'm not eating a cat okay, or a Okay, so maybe it's a little hypocritical, but I'm just I can't <laughs> I can't cover any of the animal segments, and this one was like another one that that was hard for me. It's hard for me to cover, and that that is because um, I would have to say this one is up there. Uh, if it's not the best, one of the best, some of the best acting in the entire uh, Unsolved Mysteries oh, yeah. Um, yeah. reenactments. Absolutely. I mean, the pure, uh, you feel every beat of this story as you're watching this conveyed through the actors. You feel the rage, the excitement, the, the emotion. sadness. I mean, it is so real that it's, it's very, very hard for me to watch. How it's filmed is very like uh, from like the first, like almost like a first person perspective. It's kind of like a camera behind the shoulder angle, so you kind of see what the mom is seeing as her son is being gunned down. Yeah, yeah, it it, it is it is a rough segment to watch, but it is an excellent segment for a lot of those reasons. Right. For the, the, is it because it is such an effective segment when it comes to affecting you emotionally? Well, as as you and I both know when it comes to to cinema, when it comes to film or anything like that, the whole point is to make you feel something. Yeah. If you watch a movie or or show and you don't feel anything, you feel nothing after you watch it, you're just kind of like, "Meh." Then that's a bad sign. That's that is bad like, art. Like how I felt after I saw Wonder Woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh really? You were literally the first person who has said anything negative about that movie. That I that know. movie was bland, boring, overrated garbage. Wow. <laughs> you know that's a pretty controversial uh, stance on that movie. You know that, right? Uh, I, yeah, I know, and I don't care because <laughs> I honestly, this is how I feel. I don't see this as being a great film let alone being like one of the classics it's generic it's Sexist. telling the same origin story you've heard a million times sexist <laughs> really <laughs> i want to get to go that route i, I, I want to get a clip i want to get like a, a clip of uh like a like a you know like an american online vocal like one of those crappy <laughs> computer generated speech things of, <laughs> that's what i thought of too where somebody says something sexist yeah i want that to be like a sound bite that we th- like <laughs> i want one that says racist and sexist like any of the ists ones i want those sound clips i can just insert in the podcast uh just to save the reviewers uh any uh any any fuel you know so i it's like i I acknowledge that uh they might see it that way even though it's ridiculous because it's like me and mike are pretty fucking liberal in most ways uh yet we still get dogged out by uh the left and the right so you you just can't win i think i think it would be sexist if you didn't criticize wonder woman and played with it with pillows because you're like oh it's revolutionary and it's groundbreaking cinema because it's a movie starring a woman and directed by a woman that means we don't really the problems we have with it we don't really need to make the, them that big of a deal i think it'd be sexist to do that i think uh with this treat it the same way you would with every other movie with this outrage culture that we live in uh i think people just to try to save face they just don't touch shit with a 10-foot pole anymore just no one ten, says 10 meter cattle prod no one says anything in public about anything anymore because I think everybody is so afraid of rubbing someone the wrong way. And nowadays you're or not allowed triggering somebody. You're not allowed to make an ignorant statement nowadays. You have to be completely right on the nose with everything you say because the moment you mess up and say something that's slightly quote unquote ignorant, 
then you're gonna have so many people jumping down your throat, boycotting you, blocking you, just being done with you, like they've never said anything stupid or they've never said anything ignorant or out of line in their lives. That's the world we live in now. Anyway, not to get off on a huge tangent about that, getting back to this story here. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the, the, the story starts out with um, this, uh, well, why don't I just stick to the notes here? Brian texts. Do, do you want to start over? Or something? No, I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fucking edit anything in this podcast, and you're gonna like it. That means less outtakes for you, but less work for me. Brian Texas is the. Uh, oh, shout out to our Texas listeners, Amanda and Thomas Hatfield, uh, and I don't know who else. Um, sorry if I'm missing anybody else who lives in Texas. Uh, David Murray, the 8-bit guy on YouTube. No, I'm just joking. Uh, he, is, he is a good channel, though. Bryan, Texas is the type of place that people have in mind when they dream of escaping the big city. But in September of 1984, the illusion of small-town security was shattered for one local couple whom we will call Sue and Bill. Uh, Sue had always considered herself strong and self-reliant. However, the events of September 6 would test her character in ways she never imagined. My husband was leaving for work, and I went back into the bathroom in the master bedroom to finish getting dressed. I was standing there looking in the mirror, finishing up my hair, and I picked up the makeup mirror. And I looked, and he had a large hunting knife. So in the segment, they, uh, you know, it's kind of the whole mirror trick you see in a lot of these horror movies where yeah. they close the mirror, the door. or they. Like, but it was really effective. Yeah, it was very effective. She lifts up the mirror, and there's just, bling, just this guy just there, you know, might as well... Uh, and we'll see, they didn't do this, but if this had been uh, the Dennis Farina Unsolved Mysteries, they would have had this. Well, they did. They covered this case on the Dennis Farina I'm, as well. I'm sure they had a big, uh, you know, stab or jump scare there kind of thing, uh, like a cheesy like effect to try to make it seem more dramatic than what it was. But um, so there's this bastard standing there with a, a big hunting knife. Uh, fearing for the safety of her child, Sue instinctively active. <laughs> Boy, did she ever act. Uh, she forced the intruder from the bathroom, and then she drove him out of the house at gunpoint. She kicked his ass. She kicked then- this guy's ass. I mean, she was like, she saw this guy, and like, I don't know how it is for you, Mike. I, I'm, I'm guessing you're pretty similar to me when it comes to this. Uh, it, it's hard for me to like rise to anger that quick to where I'm ready to like fight someone. Um, uh, yeah, it's hard for me to do that, um, but. I can rise to anger, you know, to do other things. But yeah, when it comes to that kind of thing, yeah, I've never really had been in any kind of situation, thank God, where I've had to really do that. So I have that would be difficult. I have, but um, you just ended up passively, aggressively leering at them (laughs) from across the room. Yes, that's what I did. (laughs) Now, see, when you become an adult, it becomes so it it becomes so messy, you know when you're a teenager beating someone's ass is like okay whatever you know you throw a few you're not gonna get arrested yeah you're not yeah or if you do you're gonna you know go to jail for like a few hours and your parents you go to juvie and or at worst but it still doesn't go on your record yeah but when you become an adult and, and you knock someone's teeth out at the bar you can't just do that anymore you know like no. lawyers get involved uh, months and months long court cases get involved. You could potentially end up paying a lot of money for one. And you could have been in the right. Right. 
You know, the guy could have swung at you and attacked you and you punched his teeth out, but, you know, that's how it is. Which I think is probably a good thing. Especially worse if it's a woman who attacked you. But, you know, that's that's a whole certain other deal. Because then people, just people look at it differently. They really do. Even if a woman's swinging at you with a frying pan and you're defending yourself... Oh, you know, if a woman starts look at it. Yeah, if a woman starts beating on a guy in public, most people's reactions is to just start chuckling. Like I know, uh, which is just I don't that that guy must have said some real, you know, like serious shit to have her do that. But yeah, uh I think in general it's probably a good thing that you can't just go up to someone and uh, and smash their teeth in because even though I can't do that to annoying karaoke singers uh, at my gigs, they can't do it to me either. And more often than yeah. not, someone would probably have more of a reason to want to hit me than I would want to hit them because I'm kind of an annoying bastard sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah, this, this chick kicked this guy's ass and um, she says it was very quick. And I don't think he was expecting me to do that. And no, he probably wasn't. He goes, she says, I think he was probably expecting me to plead with him not to do anything. And I reversed the situation on him. And I'm just going to insert in here in place of what she said. And I reversed the situation on his bitch ass. Yeah. <laughs> Sue had seen the man up close, but authorities were unable to identify him. She and her husband tried to put the incident behind them. Then four months later, Sue got another look at the attacker. Quoting Sue here, I was going through the newspaper and I opened it up and his picture was in the newspaper. And I was just shocked to have found out what he had done. The newspaper listed the state's most wanted criminals. Right at the top was the knife-wielding intruder. His name was Edward Harold Bell. Edward Bell's long criminal record stretched back to 1969. Good Lord, this guy was fucking people up back in Woodstock and included aggravated rape and numerous counts of indecent exposure to children. So this is this guy already grade A level just piece of shit. This yeah. this is why cursing was invented to to dole these words out to guys like this. To describe Pieces of human excrement. There you go. Like this man. Yes. Um, That summer, 26-year-old Larry Dickens was visiting his mother and sister in Pasadena, Texas, a a suburb of Houston. Uh, And? Now we're jumping to... uh, And the the actor... Well, before we get into that, I'm going to mention that um, we're jumping... Now, we're on the same case here of this Texas Most Wanted guy, but we're jumping to a different story. That's why we're talking about this 26-year-old named Larry Dickens. He was visiting his mother in Pasadena, Texas, suburb of Houston. Larry Dickens, on this uh, particular segment, was played by a very young, but still washboard ab-wielding Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, all right. <laughs> Do you like anything that Matthew McConaughey has ever been in besides Dazed and Confused? Uh, yeah. I, I, he actually is an actor who has become one of my favorite actors after he, he crashed and burned with Surf, Surfer Dude. He came out and resurrected his career. I, I liked him in Interstellar. I've liked him in other movies. I liked his cameo in uh, Tropic Thunder. I got the TiVo! I don't remember that. Uh, yeah, so... Um, yeah, he, he's an actor who I think is really 
turned his whole career around. True Detective, you know, he's, he's really so what, changed things. So what's the timeline? He did Days and Confused, and they did some shitty movies after that? Yeah, kind of, you know, pretty much. Okay. And they too- He was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, where Leatherface was a, a transvestite for some dumb reason. And uh, Renee Zellweger was also in the cast. <clears throat> yeah. Oh. Hmm. That's a crazy movie. Interesting. I think, actually, I think I might have seen that one, surprisingly. Couldn't tell you anything about it, though. Um, McConaughey, that was one of the best things about it. <laughs> it was a pretty shitty film, but, you know, his performance was over the top, but, you know, in, in, in a pretty entertaining way. People always, and he's great here. People always talk about his abs, and, and you know, it's like, yet again, uh, even early on in his career in this Unsolved Mysteries segment, they had to shoehorn he's the jacked. they had to shoehorn the abs into this uh, into this reenactment. So he's cutting the grass in his, his his vest. He's wearing like this denim vest, and it's unbuttoned, so you can see his glistening uh, chest and abs in the segment. Did they have to do that? No. But did they see a guy with good abs and like you know what? Uh, I think some of the ladies might like this. Or some of the men, whatever your proclivities are. Um, so yeah, could you actually, uh, I know you're going to wear that sweater, but actually we have this denim vest that's going to be unbuttoned, and we're going to spray you down so it looks like you were sweating. So, uh, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those funny little liberties that they took with the reenactment, because they don't, you know, we don't know if the actual Larry Dickens was mowing the lawn when this happened. It, this is just... Well, I mean, they show a picture of Larry Dickens, and he doesn't look anything like no. Matthew McConaughey. No, he doesn't. He, he looks like a dude from the 70s. He has the 70s hair, and he looks like a good shit, though, you know? I mean, he looks like a good guy. Uh, there was no reason for him, you know, to, if, this is, you know, this is horrific. even if he didn't look like Matthew McConaughey, it's still a horrible, well, I mean, horrible thing that happened you know, to him. I, I was in no way insinuating that anybody who doesn't look like Matthew McConaughey should get gunned down. <laughs> I, I know, I know. I know some people would be like, you know, some people have that, you know, some good looking guy or girl, they die. And that's like the one that's on the news. And like you said, the, the, what was it? The missing... Or murdered white missing white, white girl missing syndrome. white girl syndrome yeah yeah which I didn't even know was a thing and and I I've since learned that it is in fact a thing which I kind of already knew it was like instinctually but now it's been confirmed yeah so anyway so anyway yeah this Larry Dickens guy was an ex marine and youth counselor so I mean good lord just put some bunnies and puppies in his lap and he's like the perfect guy pretty much. Um, Larry was also the father of a three-year-old girl. Oh, Jesus. It gets more tragic. According to his mother, Dorothy Lang, Larry was cutting her lawn. Okay, so maybe he was cutting the lawn. So just, you know, never mind any of that shit I said. He was actually cutting the lawn. All right. All right, Unsolved Mysteries. Fair enough. Larry was cutting her lawn when Edward Bell, this piece of shit guy who exposed himself to children, he pulled up in his pickup truck. Dorothy says, I was standing at the kitchen window, and there were a lot of children playing in the intersection right by our house. I saw his pickup drive up. He parked, he got out of his truck, he was nude from the waist down. What a fucking freak show. You know, who does that shit? Who thinks about doing that? I, I've walked out of the bathroom before, and like my zipper was undone, and like I didn't realize it. Now, granted, like, uh-huh. my dick wasn't hanging out or anything, but my zipper was undone, <laughs> you know? And even that was, like, 
horrifyingly embarrassing. I was like, oh my god, how long has my zipper been unzipped? Like, how embarrassing. For me, I'm like, you know, there have been times where I've been out in public for, you know, a zipper undone for a while, and then I, I don't really think that much of it. Nobody really notices it. So, nobody really says anything. And then I realize it, and I'm, oh, okay, I'll put it back up. Um, but... Yeah, if I if having my dick hanging out, that's a whole different story. I mean, dude, this guy, this guy's sick. Like, like, you know, I'm not. I'll be the last one to judge someone for sexual deviancy because God knows I have my share of weird, perverse shit I like to do. But it's behind closed doors, and the farm animals are usually consenting. I'm just just kidding. Everybody, <laughs> calm down. But no, I mean. You know, I, I get, you know, sexual deviancy and all that kind of stuff, but, like, dude, come on, man. Like, it, w- w- just mental illness got to be got some somewhere in the equation here. As Dorothy phoned the police, as, well, anybody would have, Larry, being the fucking G.I. Joe guy that he is, pretty much, just Dudley Do-Right over here, Larry went out to confront the flasher. I think it's funny they call him the Flasher. Uh, this is not the DC mo- uh, comic book Flasher either. This is a different guy. You mean the Flash? The Flash. Uh, his mo- that didn't work. No, no <laughs> joke didn't work. Well, Mike, welcome a fucking board to uh, most of my jokes that don't work. Uh, uh, my jokes don't work usually either. So that's what makes that's what makes this podcast work because we work together, <laughs> man. Okay. His mother watched from the kitchen window as the man pulled out a gun. And I said, please don't shoot him. And the man shot him anyway. And oh, then, he, then he turned and he started running out of the garage. <sighs> and Larry, even with all those bullets in him, was still trying to stop this man. The guy wanted him to give him the keys back to his truck. Yeah. Because Larry was such a deadly do-right, such a do-gooder, and that he ended up taking the keys. And I don't know if I... It, would go that far this guy seems like a really sick individual anyway because he pulls the pants down and just showing his dick and balls to all these little kids so i'm like i maybe i confront him or maybe i just not maybe i just call the cops really that's how i would do it i would call the cops i don't know what this guy what he's about he could be uh, a fugitive. He could. I know he's sick in the head. I don't know what he'd do to me. He might have a gun, for all I know. And sadly, that's exactly what happened. He had a gun, and he shot uh, Larry. Now, just reading it is not doing any kind of justice to no. the story. Because how, no, how they reenacted not. this shot, how they reenacted this Matthew McConaughey, Larry, a.k.a. Larry, Going up mm-hmm. to this guy, and and it's all seen from from outside the kitchen window. The mom's doing that. This is all seen from the mother's point of view. You're looking through out the kitchen window, outside, just like it was outside your front yard. Imagine seeing one of your loved ones confronting this mysterious dude who's doing some weird shit, and you see him pull out a gun, and she's saying on the phone, "I, I think it's a cap gun." And then she goes, oh, no, she just shot, he just shot him. I see blood. You know, seeing this right in front of your eyes got to be like a movie. It's got to be surreal. It can't, this can't really be happening right now. This, everything was so normal five minutes ago. And now all, my whole world is changing and crashing 
right in front of me and, and just mm-hmm. so much information for your brain to process. And she goes, it's and, overwhelming. She goes into the garage and, and Larry, you know, and now, now, now we're seeing for the first time from uh, like the, the, the shit happening right in front of your face. Now you're not watching it from inside your house. Now you're in the garage with the, the killer and your son and and there's blood and he's looking dazed and confused um and, and he's full of bullet wounds and she goes please don't shoot him please don't and he pulls out he pulls up his gun again after he already has four bullets in his abdomen and he shoots him again in his fucking head he's already yeah. sh- he's probably already going to die and you shot him again in the head you fucking sicko why would you do that but that wasn't enough Larry had been shot four times in the chest and once in the head with a 22 caliber pistol. Just at that moment, Larry's 17-year-old sister Donna was returning home from cheerleading practice. I pulled up to the stops. This is quoting his sister. I pulled up to the stop sign and I saw a man cross the street to the edge of my driveway. And I looked and I got a good close look at the man. And I tried to block his exit. And I realized he had just shot my brother. I started screaming, and I just screamed and screamed, and then when I couldn't scream anymore, I remember I just went over and I knelt down beside my brother and I watched him die. So after he shoots Ugh. him in the head, he goes, this is what pushed over the top for me. He, after he already shoot him, shot him in the head, and he's laying on the ground, and he's covered in blood, and his mom's covered in blood, then he goes and gets a fucking rifle, and he shoots yep. him with the rifle. Like, he's not already dead enough. He shoot, Dude, that is, like, beyond... That is so beyond overkill. That is so... Uh, I don't know if he shot him with the rifle. He tried to shoot a cop on a car, on a motorcycle with a rifle. No, he shot and him. Then, he shot him okay. again with a rifle. So I can only wow. imagine what this dude's body must have looked like when his poor sister had to go up and yeah. see that shit. And she had to stay with him, and, and she watched him die right there. I mean the just the the it's it's horrible it's horrifying it's shocking it's it's one of those things you just can't believe you're like I can't believe this is happening just the the and it happens so quickly the PTSD from that the post traumatic yeah. stress from that the the just the oh my god so a dispatcher radioed the suspect's description as police units headed to the scene at that very instant, the officers recognized the suspect's truck. Within 20 minutes of the murder, Bell was in the hands of police and was on his way. Well, before that, there was also a, a moment where there's this uh, guy, a cop on a motorcycle, was trying to chase him down, and he, he actually wasn't in his truck yet. He was just walking around, standing there. He has his rifle, and he aims it. Right at the the cop. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to get. And I was going to get to that. Thankfully, the well because it's not mentioned on this thing I know. Uh, on on the uh, unsolved uh, description of the segment. So he shoots at he was ready to shoot him. Would have been another victim, potential victim of this fucking asshole. But thankfully, by the grace of God, his his gun jammed. And he wasn't able to shoot the officer. Yeah, after he drove, when the sister tried to block him, he reversed and he went the other way and he's like hightailing it out of there. And the yeah. cop on a motorcycle and a cop in a cop car saw the truck and, and, and matched the description, so they pursued him. The motorcycle cop was ahead of the patrol car. 
Larry is trapped at the end of the, uh, not Larry, but uh, Edward Bell, the piece of shit, uh, he gets trapped at the end of a cul-de-sac, jumps out of his truck, points the rifle at the police officer on the motorcycle. Phenomenal stunt work here, by the way. Yeah. As the, yeah. As the police uh, motorcyclist uh, sees that he's pointing his rifle right at him, he does this kind of slide thing and just crashes his motorcycle and rolls off. I guess it's the safe way to crash if, if you need to yeah. abort off of your motorcycle i guess that's like uh, maybe they teach you that i don't know but but uh he he mm-hmm. rolls basically does this like tuck and roll thing off his motorcycle to avoid getting shot and at that point his gun jams and then the police are go- uh, you know telling him put the gun down put your hands up at that point i don't have the uh wherewithal or the uh sense of um equal justice i guess to where i would have been able to say put your hands up you're under arrest i would have sunk a bullet between that dude's eyes i i wouldn't have been able to not kill him if 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 i knew about the situation now granted the cops weren't there they didn't see the murder they're not attached to this family well even if i did as a cop that's just not the right thing to do as 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 much as he would want to do it it's not the right thing to do. That's not following I know it's not. Uh, that's, the, the law. That's not upholding the law the correct way. That's what uh, I'm you saying. Know, I, couldn't, and, I, I'm, I couldn't do it because if I was in that situation, I would have to kill this guy. I would have to. I would have to. I would have to kill him. He's, he's, he's literally wasting air that somebody else could be using. He's, he is, there's nothing good about this man whatsoever. I mean... He is the epitome of shit. Now, obviously, he is. Obviously, but, I mean that's just not that's not the the proper procedure as as a police officer. Mike, your face isn't the proper procedure. <laughs> what do you think about that, <laughs> folks? You're, you're, <laughs> folks, right now you're witnessing uh, podcast drama between. There's a division between me and Mike now. What's going to happen next? Uh. anyway um yeah i know um that's why i'm glad i'm not a cop for various reasons uh i i myself also don't want to get shot so you know and and i I really don't want to like chase after somebody and get all winded and then tackle them and we're both (laughs) like breathing heavily on each other and it's kind of like this (laughs) sensual thing like in a weird way (laughs) Or just like sweaty and like laying up, breathing hard on top of each other. It's like, oh, I finally caught you. Oh, yeah, why'd you run? I got you now. Now I'm going to handcuff you. Yeah. No, no, it's all very sexual <laughs> to me. Um, <laughs> there's nothing to say to any of this, Mike. You just, just, lean, just lean back and watch me get all the criticism <laughs> and enjoy it. Yeah, you're you're the uh, Michael Jackson meme of uh, I'm just here for the comments eating popcorn right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when Bell was in the hands of police, they had to bring him back to Larry's mother and sister so they could identify him. His sister said they opened the back door of the police car that I, so I could see him there. 
I just wanted to get my hands on him. It hurt me so bad that he killed my brother. There's always going to be an emptiness, and part of me is missing. And again, the quote doesn't do it justice. This actress no. was phenomenal. Her her mm-hmm. emotion, her reaction. Uh, she, you know, she's running up to this guy and beating on him. She's like, "I hate you! I hate you! Why'd you kill my brother? I hate you!" And she's screaming it, yeah. and you feel the emotion of of the situation. You totally well, feel what she's feeling because it's like, yes, I would do this exact same thing that she's doing. It's just so phenomenally acted, and even the mother, the mother, the actress who played the mother did a great oh, job. Oh, absolutely, they all did. And, fantastic. and and she, she wasn't even willing to identify him. She's like, I can't do it. I just can't. Now I could see why. I mean, it, this had just happened, and she doesn't really want. She's trying her best to try to deal with this right now, anyway, and and you know, trying to keep her sanity just right at this moment. Uh, and, you know, seeing him again could, could potentially just, you know, send things off the rails for her, uh, emotionally as well as mentally. Cause that's just something that you cannot prepare for ever. There's no prep. There's no preparing for this. There isn't. Not unless you bought a dog and killed it every week to slowly condition yourself to things dying that you love around well, you. That's but, fucked up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That'd be the only way you could like, or maybe people who go to war, maybe they're conditioned to seeing this kind of stuff. Yeah, I still don't think they, they uh, even people who go to war still can deal with this. This is stuff that I don't think anybody really can deal with. Uh, that's why you have a lot of these people who come back from war and they have PTSD is because of all this stuff that they saw and the things that they did. Yeah, I th- and if they don't show it on the outside and the inside, there's definitely something going on, and eventually it comes out one way or another. That's why I think it's better for people to, you know, c- c- take some counseling, go to a psychiatrist, do something, find a different, some kind of outlet to help them with that instead of just keeping that on the inside. And you know, it, it, this is a type of grief that will never go away. It, it and you know it's just one of those things that even once the guy is caught, thank God he was. But even if he once he is caught, you know the your brother's still dead, and you still have that memory of of watching him die. Yeah, well, in your arms, or seeing him get shot to death. Incredibly, Edward Bell was released on bail less than oh, okay. two months after the murder. <laughs> He quietly liquidated his assets and with more than $140,000 in his pocket, disappeared. So this guy didn't even... How the fuck did he have that much money? Yeah, he didn't even need... And this is, this is 1990 uh, money, so 140000 Might as well chalk it up to 200 and something thousand because that's about, you know... So this guy yeah. was loaded. So it's not like it's not like he was some vagrant who just owned a pickup truck who was like an alcoholic who was just go out of his gourd going exposed. He he had enough wherewithal to have the assets that equaled up to one hundred forty thousand dollars. Yeah. So when this story aired, at least two viewers recognized Edward Bell. One said that he recently met Bell during a business trip to Panama City, Panama. Another viewer claimed that Bell had lived in Panama for several years. According to Special Agent Rolando Moss of the Houston FBI, Bell was prospecting for gold on land he owned near Panama City. 
So, you know, exposing yourself to children and killing people are enough. Now, now you need to be rich, too. Now you need to look for gold. I tell you what, man, this guy's right up there with all the other sociopaths, all the other famous... Well, yeah, because it would have helped him try to, you know, maybe pay people off to leave him alone. So, uh, according to the FBI agent here, the Panama police were able to locate Mr. Bell, at which time they placed him under arrest, and the FBI, along with the Panama City Police Department, then brought Mr. Bell back to the United States. Uh, Edward Harold Bell was convicted of murder and sentenced to 70 years in prison. Still not enough for me, but he has since been named uh, as person of interest in the murders of six young girls in the Galveston area. So he could have been a serial killer, too. On top of everything. Oh, I guarantee you he... Fuck this guy. Fuck him. I'm sure he's dead. Rotten I'm hell. sure he's dead now. It's the only consolation that I have. But then again, I don't know that for sure. He he he, he looked older. The guy who, who uh, or actually when they showed him doing the perp walk for the update, they actually showed the, the the guy on camera, and he looked he looked like he was in his late forties, early fifties. So hopefully he's dead at this point. And uh, if there is a hell, I hope that he has uh, front row. Oh, seats. he's rotten. He's rotten in hell. Yeah, this one upsets me, man. Like that's what I was saying. Like this is why I don't like talking about this one because it's it's truly like it truly bothers me. Like the overkill, the, like if he if he had shot him like one time and got out of there, I would have just chalked him up to an ordinary everyday piece of shit criminal. But the fact that he, in his mother's arms, shot him in the head and then gets a fucking rifle out at his leisure, saunters his ass over back over to the driveway. Shoots him with a high caliber rifle. Yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, you have no regard for anything that normal human beings hold so sacred. And therefore, you do not deserve to be a part of this society. And, I mean, for fuck's sake, you know, I mean, I, I feel like even people in jail have more values than this fucker would. Well, I'm surprised he wasn't killed in jail, knowing how a lot of people, even in jail, prisoners, think, you know, for who are there serving a hard time, they find out that he was a child molester or murderer or was, you know, throwing his, putting his dick out in front of kids. It's a death sentence in a lot of jails. Yeah. As it should be. So, yeah, that guy's a fucking piece of shit. And uh, but the next person is 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 the complete opposite. She's really nice. Um, this is one of our uh, group members and one of our listeners, Annie Shock. Um, I don't know if I said her last name correctly. It's it's spelled differently, um, but I, I think that's about right. Shock the monkey. <laughs> so she is the one that we were mentioning in our 50th episode where we weren't able to get around to reading her story because it was uh, a fairly long one. Um, But here it is right now. This is all from her perspective. Uh, This is quoted from her, Annie. This is a story that happened many years ago, around 16 years ago in late 2001. My parents separated in late 2000, and we, my mom, brother, and I moved into a house next to the local high school. There was a very old tree in the side-slash-front yard, well over 110 years old. It always made the place look creepy, but it was the best place my mom could get on such a short notice. 
It was a two-story house with a small basement. Two bedrooms on the upper floor, one on the main floor with one bathroom. My brother didn't live there all the time, but after I turned 18, that was my primary residence with my mom. I had one of the upstairs bedrooms, and my brother had the other. My mom used the bedroom on the main floor. A few times while sitting in the living room, I had noticed my dog sit at the bottom of the stairs and stare up at them. For a while, he would only stare at them, but eventually he started going up the stairs, turned into my bedroom, which was on the right side of the upstairs, and would go stand in front of my walk-in closet. After a minute or two, he would turn around and come back down. I could hear his little toes clicking on the hardwood a few times before I finally followed him up to see what he was doing. And there he was, just standing there, looking at my closet. I didn't really worry too much about it at the time. This reminds me of something out of that movie Poltergeist. Remember the dog E-Buzz was staring at the wall that the ghost had flew into and was like barking at it? Now, Mike, do you think I have any damn idea about what Poltergeist is or if I've ever seen it? I thought you would have because it's a Steven Spiel, you know, it's a Steven Spielberg production and it's a fairly well-known uh, horror movie. Well, looks like but that's what you not. get for thinking. <laughs> I, I know you haven't seen that because I mentioned Poltergeist before and you, were, and you said you hadn't seen it. You just wanted but to it, make it, me look for like those an of idiot. you, no, I was just for those of you who are listening who have seen the film, it is it is something straight out of that movie. My mom had to travel for meetings and conferences, and one weekend she was gone at one. I stayed down at the main floor in a room because my dog usually slept down there anyway, and I wanted to sleep in her big bed too. I had settled in for the night and had the dog on the bed with me. The bedroom door was shut, and I was reading a little before going to sleep. That was when I heard footsteps upstairs above me coming from my bedroom. My brother was at my father's house and was too young to drive across town to my mom's, my mom was out of town, and the dog was on the bed next to me. The footsteps went from my bedroom, across the short hallway, and into my brother's bedroom. They walked around his small bedroom, back across the hallway, into my bedroom, and over to where my closet was. I didn't get up. I, I just laid there, and I tried to fall asleep. I didn't tell my mom about it, well, not until years later, and nothing was moved or missing. I just tried to ignore it. My dog would just stare, still stare at the stairs, and go up them occasionally. I, I kind of just pushed it off as it was just a weird occurrence. I told my friend Jay about it, though, and he suggested bringing in a Ouija board over and use it to find out what it was. I figured, what could the harm be? Oh, God. So <laughs> That sounds like a fucking movie plot right there. Yeah. Like that movie Ouija, which is another piece of fucking shit. So my friends, JTC, M, and G... Came over one weekend. Probably just that's how she. I like that. I like how she has. She her nicknames for her friends are just Hey J, Hey T, Hey C, Hey M, Hey G. She's probably trying to keep them anonymous. Probably. I, I, I mean, it's a good way to do it. It actually is pretty clever, actually. And this is actually really well written too. So my friends J T C M and G came over one weekend when my mom was out of town for another work meeting slash conference and we decided that we would have enough room in the dining room for all of us the living room was to my right and the kitchen was behind me we started using the ouija board and and asked it just basic questions it started telling us that there was the spirit slash ghost of a little girl that had lived in the house it also told us there was half a dozen other spirits present that evening but only the little girl and the main one that was talking to us lived in the house 
I asked if the little girl who I heard walking between my room, I asked if the little girl was who I heard walking between my room and my brother's room a few weeks prior. It said yes, and that my room used to be her room, and my brother's was her playroom. It told us that she had died in the house due to abuse of some kind. I asked if she is what my dog keeps following upstairs, and it said yes. She hides in my closet sometimes. The majority of the time we were talking to an older male spirit. He told us that he had hung up, been hung on a branch of the large old tree that sat out right outside the house. That's straight out of The Conjuring. <laughs> I asked him where he was in relation to the rest of us, and he said that he was in the living room. I said that he should come into the dining room with the rest of us. He asked if I was sure, and he said yes, and I said yes. My dog was sleeping on the couch in the living room during this, and all of a sudden he got up off the couch, came into the dining room, sat down on the floor next to me, and just looked up at me. I asked if he was in my dog, and it replied yes. What? In your dog? Yeah. Uh. I, I panicked at this point and yelled for it to get out of my dog. It said I asked him for him to come in there, and I yelled back, but not using my dog! My dog was got back up and then went back into the living room again and laid down. See, I live in the South, and, and, and here when we say get out of my dog, it means something completely different. <laughs> <laughs> we continued to talk to the spirit after this for a while after that point. It mentioned that there were not so good spirits behind me in the kitchen and that it was keeping them in there. My friend C said that she didn't believe it. It warned her not to go in there. She went over to the swinging door and tried to push it, and the door wouldn't move. She pushed again, and the door opened, but she was unable to get put her foot across the threshold. She looked back at us and said, I'm not fucking around. Literally, I, I cannot move my foot into the kitchen. The board again told her to not go in there. She pulled her foot back and sat back down at the table. We asked if it would get the bad spirits out of the house after we were done talking, and said yes, that it would. We decided to close the conversation and parted ways that night. I slept down in my mom's room again because I didn't really feel like being upstairs alone with whatever it was in there by myself. Neither would I. Until we moved out, the dog would would uh, follow would uh, follow something up else up the stairs a few times a month. I never saw anything, but I would get those weird feelings that someone was watching me sometimes. A few times when I was in the bathroom, I would hear low, low voices talking, but could never make out what was being said. We moved out about a year and a half later. After we moved into my mom's new house, the dog never stared at the stairs and wandered up on wandered up them on his own. And I never heard random voices that shouldn't have been there. <laughs> That's a great story. Wow, Annie, that is a fantastic story. If it really happened. Yeah. I'm not doubting her, though. I tend to believe that stuff blindly. Well, I mean, it's just so detailed. With the descriptions and everything of what the house looked like and where things were. Yeah, dude, I don't fuck with those Ouija boards. Uh, I th they could just bring out more spirits and not the kind of ones you want to mess around with. You know, whether, whether you think a Ouija board is bullshit or whether you think it's true... I just don't mess with one. You know, it's kind of like the whole, like, yeah, I may not believe in, uh, like, organized religion, but at the same time, am I going to go and do a bunch of, like, like wear a pentagram on me and do all this satanic shit? No. Even though I don't believe in it, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to go there. You know, I just... I, it's, You're not going to take the chance. Yeah, I just, yeah, because there's a part of me that's like, well, maybe what if it is, you know, 
something to it. Yeah. So I feel like if you don't open yourself up to those gates of trouble, then uh, then then you're good, you know. So there there's a mm-hmm. little bit of superstition in me enough to stay away from Ouija boards, for sure. So um, that was a great story. I wish we could have read that on the fiftieth, but man, I was in a uh, we started late and I was in a rush and blah blah blah. I'm not so much in a rush now, so uh, a little bit more relaxed. Um, a lot of you heard last week that uh, I do, in fact, do these podcasts in the buff. That's because it gets hot in my room, and, you know, judge me. <laughs> Before we go into our News of the Bizarre segment, Bizarre, Bizarre, uh, News of the Bizarre segment, um, I actually want to tell you, I, you know, I want you guys to know about your other um, listeners. I think it's a kind of like a public service thing, you know, kind of like the, you know, make sure you know your na- who your neighbors are kind of thing. And um, our Patreon supporter, um, Sarah Seminemonie. I don't know how to say your last name. <laughs> Seminemonie. Uh, it's, it's, see if you, you in your car or wherever you're at right now, pronounce this out loud after I spell it and see if, see if it's, you can make sense of it. S-E-M-E-N-Y-E-I. Seminemonie. Seminemonie. Anyway. Um, she confided into me uh, a story that happened to her while she was in Colorado, and it was, you know, I, I don't know why you guys keep confiding stories into me, because, like, I always read them on the, on the uh, show, but I just felt like it was, it was too good to, to keep between her and I, so I, I have to tell a story. So, she was at, she's actually a writer, and um, she got offered through some kind of means, I forget how, she got offered to actually be um, kind of the, a resident of this hotel during the uh, winter season when it was shut down, when no one was there, Uh, but they needed like a a keeper of the hotel, so she thought it would be a good idea for her and her family to go up there to this hotel in Colorado and stay there, and like the manager, all these other people... No one was going to be there at all. In fact, the only means of communication, because even like the cell phone service was just not, not happening out there. It was just this like little walkie-talkie to the previous um, guy who, who was like keeping up with the hotel, and he wasn't even going to be there. So her and her family stayed there. She thought it would be a good opportunity for her to write on her and work on her, her novel because of all the silence and seclusion of being in this hotel. So Sarah... After staying there for a while, some weird stuff started happening to her. Start, you know, the isolation of being surrounded by snow. You're snowbound. That's something a lot of us don't know, but being snowbound is when it's snowing so hard you can't even leave the house that you're in. You're stuck. A lot of people get cabin fever. You start getting a little paranoid. You start hearing things that might not be there. You start seeing things that might not be there. Sarah wasn't a big drinker, but she went to the bar area. This was the weirdest one where it gets really weird for her. And she's sitting at the bar and she just she just utters the words, I'd sell my goddamn soul for a whiskey. And she looks up and she sees a person there, a bartender, and he's got a drink for her. Hallucination? I don't know. Cabin fever? I don't know. So as this goes on, her... 
psychosis gets so bad that she feels the need to kill her family. These, these hallucinations in this hotel are telling her that she must kill her family. They're plotting against her. And her family ends up escaping uh, via snowmobile. And um, she actually dies in this maze out in the uh, courtyard looking for them. <laughs> so she's no longer with us. <laughs> so, Sarah... I'm sorry that that happened to you, and you know that happen. Yeah, that happens sometimes when you <laughs> when you look after a hotel, a large hotel out in the middle of nowhere, and you're snowbound. You know, sometimes going crazy is one of the the risks that you take. I guess all work and no play makes Sarah a dull girl. You know, I I guess that's one way you could put it, Mike. I mean, that's that's a pretty fresh perspective on it. That's true. Um, so yeah, that that's a completely true story. Rest in peace, Sarah. I'm sorry. You're the first person on these stories that has died in their story. Oh, so I'm sorry for you, and I hope you're you're in a better spot. You know, in the afterlife, whatever. I don't. I don't. That just sounds really familiar. Um, no, Mike. I don't actually think it does sound familiar at all. So, I don't know what you're talking about, but truly original story. If you would like a story about you read on the podcast that is uh, completely true, it might not be, but it probably is true, um, you should consider our $5 uh, Patreon donation tier. You, you also get early access to the podcast and some other little benefits every now and then. But, uh, yeah, Sarah, I'm, you know, sorry. Sorry about every, Sorry about the loss of, of you, you know, to yourself. Um totally original story and it's not familiar to anything um i don't know what mike's talking about i think he's a little high honestly um on on marijuana all right i I don't think sarah's dead either so you know well she may not be but according to the story you know that she or that i heard that was conveyed her she died (laughs) So that was crazy. Speaking of craziness, we're going into uh, we our, our our new uh, new uh, segment of the show that's called News of the Bizarre. We definitely have some bizarre news for you right here. This one is about a man who spent fifty thousand dollars and over one hundred procedures to transform himself into a genderless alien. <laughs> we shit you not. So definitely not shitting around. So Vinny, oh, it's uh, his last name. Oh, his last name is spelled O H H. Vinny, oh, a a oh oh, Vinny, oh, twenty two years old from uh, Los Angeles, California. Uh, we have a few listeners in LA. Uh, has had over one hundred and ten procedures to transform into a genderless extraterrestrial. Now, uh, Vinny obviously sounds like my kind of my kind of. Uh, alien because i i find aliens fascinating and uh you know why not you know um the the makeup art he just looks like marilyn manson yeah he, he really does just honestly look like a marilyn manson uh knockoff the makeup artist believes he's neither male <laughs> nor female and so his extreme look is a way to mirror how he feels inside all righty well you know it's it's, it's a 2017. Good for you. It's 2017. It's the wild fucking west of whatever you feel like you are. That's what you are. And 
if somebody calls you anything else, then they're they're the ignorant wrong ones, not you. So if you want to be an alien, then uh, we're ignorant for saying anything to the contrary. So uh, how did he start, Mike? So he started with lip fillers at the age of 17 before having two rhinoplasties, multiple cheeks and brown bone, brow, brow bone fillers and more. I had a hard time saying that because I've never really heard of a brow bone filler before. That's because you're reason. ignorant to alien, uh, uh, <laughs> alien rights. The part-time model also wears large blackened contact lenses, alien-like talons, and unusual hair dye colors. Uh, they're not that unusual compared to a lot of people who just seem to just dye their hair whatever color. Um, I'm sorry. You're not that unusual anymore if you have blue hair or green hair or red hair or pink hair. Yeah, I mean, Green Day was rocking that look back in the 90s, so, I mean, they kind of beat you to it by, like, a few decades. Now he plans to fork out another $160,000 on surgery to have his genitalia, nipples, and belly button removed. Just let that sink in for a second. Genitalia removed, okay. Um, How can he pee? Yeah, I mean, there's got to be some... Is he, ju- is he just going to have uh, this uh, the SRS? What's it? And have a, 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 a artificial vagina created? Because I don't know how the hell he's going to be able to urinate without his genitalia. I mean, I, I'm pretty, sh- pretty sure aliens would not be using a colostomy bag, so that's, that's, that's out, you know. <laughs> that's out of the question. <laughs> or a catheter, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, the no nipples, fine, okay. Um, I guess I could see that. No belly button, I'm sorry, buddy, but you can't have your belly button removed. That's like, uh, I mean, can you? I mean, like, if you stick your... F- well, they're just going to cover it up or Yeah, because, like, you stick your... F- That's the only thing I think of. You're not going to remove it completely. I don't know how you could do that. I mean, may- maybe you could, but to me it seems like... Uh, it's like it goes inside you, you know. It's like kind of like your anus, you know. Like it's a, it, it kind of just goes up inside. Maybe he'd want to get rid of that later too. Yeah, try. Yeah, you're gonna have a very painfully toxic death if you uh, can't. Uh, I know. Excrete I know. yourself. Yeah, this might as well be called news of the fucking disgusting too. By the way, because we this, we seem to cover that a lot here. Um, Vinny said, I want to be a sexless alien being. I want, uh, I want my outside to reflect how I feel on the inside. The overall image I want to do is alien. I want to be a hybrid, not male or female. I've wanted to be sexless and genderless since I was 17. All right, Vinny, well, as your therapist, I've got to ask you, what the fuck happened to you when you were 17? Because <laughs> apparently <laughs> it was pretty traumatic. Uh, he says, I've been going to doctors to see if it's possible, but have had no luck. Uh, because doctors can do a lot better shit with their time. They can't make you intersex. They can't make you a hermaphrodite. Well, hermaphrodite has both. Exactly. So that, that would... He wants to be in between, so I guess, yeah. Yeah, that would be, that would double his problems if he had the penis and the vagina. (laughs) Um, I don't want people to think I'm trying to change into a woman. I could live without sexual organs, so why should I have a penis or vagina? Because you have to move urine from your body, dumb shit. That's why. <laughs> I mean, on a biological level, you have to move urine and shit from your body. It's gross. 
That's just how it is. Just like period. So this uh, period blood is gross. <laughs> shit's gross. Piss is gross. Spit is gross. It's anything that come common people's face is gross. Any any yeah, common in people's faces is gross. Yeah, cum is gross. Everything is that comes out of a human body is gross. Unless it's tears, maybe aren't that gross. Yeah, I'll give you tears. I'll give you tears. Tears are about the only thing that come out of the well. Tears can dry and become that crusty shit. So no, tears. Tears are <laughs> off too. Tears are off. Um, so they're showing all these fanciful um, pictures of him modeling and looking very weird and, and freakish, just like what he's going for, I guess. Here, Marilyn Manson. Yeah, it's 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 Marilyn Manson. If Marilyn Manson was bisexual, because um, there's some kind of homoerotic stuff going on with these pictures. I don't. So yeah, he's. He, I don't see why I shouldn't have my genitals completely removed and have nothing down there. So far, I've had $50,000 in skin care and procedures, including two rhinoplasties, facial fillers in my lips, cheeks, and brow bone, all to look extraterrestrial. I do kind of look like a Martian. I have a really big head, no eyebrows, and I've just been connecting with that. Um, uh, he doesn't really look like a gray to me or uh, what I usually look at. He looks like a... Think of an alien. He looks like he's of Hispanic origin. Sorry. Hispanic Hispania is a part of uh, the world. I hate to say it's not extra. It's not extra. It's not uh, extra Earth or or beyond Earth. Sorry. Um, and, and, and you could have eyebrows if you. I guess he's trying. He's shaving his eyebrows off because he's trying to be the man who fell to Earth, like David Bowie, <laughs> or you know the Star Child. And then you have the whole sort of thing what he's doing with the whole uh, the whole body modification that he's doing reminds me of a film called American Mary that I saw with uh, Catherine Isabel, which was fantastic. Um, and she was this struggling med student who ended up making way more money than she's ever made before by doing uh, underground body modification on people. And this one guy, I guess he wanted, or his girl, she wanted to look like a doll. And so he did this surgery on her, and she did the surgery on her, and basically did this thing where it made her genitals just completely bare. There's nothing there. Oh, God. Like a, like a doll. That reminds me of that movie Tusk. Ugh. It's better than Tusk. It's a lot Tusk better than Tusk. Tusk was fucking weird. It was weird and, and bad. Yeah. It's a bad movie. So anyway, going back to Vinny. Oh, oh, when people ask me how I label myself, I tell them an extraterrestrial, hot mess, self-obsessed. It's becoming my slogan. Vinny started cosmetic procedures after feeling like an outcast while growing and up. And therein lies the whole issue that should be tackled rather than him turning into an alien. It's one thing to... Uh, What's going to happen when he gets older? That's the thing I've always wondered with these people who do, you know, with these individuals, you know, who do these extreme body modifications. Like the people, you know, who have the gauges in their ears to the point where, you know, their ears are flopping around or all these different piercings and things like that. What's going to happen when you get older? 
Are you going to have all these millennials who are just going to be going to the doctor and getting their ears, you know, put back together? Yeah, actually, that you will. I've already known several people who had the gauged out ears in their teenage years and they go to the hardcore shows and do their spin kicks and shit. And then when they had to go to corporate America and get a real job, yeah, they had to go in and because they blew their ear earlobes out, they had to go in and they get had to get the skin, extra skin cut off and they had to get sewn up and um, yeah. So I mean, you're you're you know, I got a fucking Robert Stack tattoo on my arm. I got to pretty, I yeah. got to commit to that shit. You know, I don't mind. And tattoos are different to me. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at least you can cover this up with long sleeve shirts and things like that. It depends on what kind of bit, uh, place you work at. They they can be accepting of it. With this guy, you know, what happens when the modeling goes away? What happens when he's no longer seventeen? He's no longer young. What's going to happen then? Is he is he just he's going to be an old alien looking alien guy? He's not going to really get any work. How is he going to get a job? How is he going to make it? How is he going to make a living? He better save his money really well. He better you know put his cash in a in a nice save uh, you know some savings. Somewhere, then I then buy some I, real estate. I guess he'll be John Malkovich, just an old-looking alien guy. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this—he's not the only one that does. I mean, there's this guy who spent all this money to be a Ken doll. Oh yeah, yeah, that guy. Yeah, that guy's a little different though because he's like, he's he's trying to look like the perfect human being, not the perfect alien. So he's a little. No, he he wants to look like a, a Ken doll. Yeah, but he still wants his. Doesn't want to look like wants his dick, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, see that that that, yeah. that automatically makes him less weird. It's still bizarre. It's still, it's yeah, still bizarre. It's still, there, there's the, when you have plastic abs. <laughs> I know. It's like this guy takes his shirt off, and it's like, oh wow, buddy, you're ripped. Thank God. We have to move this piano up three flights of stairs. Can you help us out? No, actually, I can only lift up a newspaper, and that's about the. Ex- but 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 what? Look at all these muscles. Yeah, this is all plastic. And, and then the piano movers are just like, I don't want to live in this world anymore. <laughs> um, so uh, Vinny O, he says he became an LGBT plus activist and feels like his look now represents his beliefs that people shouldn't be labeled. Which I agree. I agree with that, too. But when you have a look like that, it's kind of hard for me not to be like, wow, that's pretty freakish. Okay. No offense. My whole thing, my, you know, it's your body. Like my whole thing about it is, is like if you're your choice. When you are when you're when you break social taboos to such an extent that you want to get your genitalia hacked off and you want to become an alien, I gotta question your sanity in other in other measures as well. Um, I wouldn't feel safe driving in a car with this person, for instance. You know, like you just gotta question every every other judgment they're gonna make in their life. Like if you were that. Because, okay, and, and let me just make the distinction right now uh, that I have no problems or issues with someone who wants to sexually transition from one gender to another. Oh, exactly. And I, I, I really I really think that there is something to be said about how that started in the womb. And then right. they get born, and then they're old enough to really think for themselves, and then it's an automatic sort of, I don't feel right. I do not feel like I'm in the right body. Right, so I want to make the distinction that I'm not blasting people who get surgery, you know, to do things to their themselves, to change themselves, but, or, but, but this you know, guy... To go through the whole process of, of uh, gender reassignment, which is, there's a lot. There's like a whole year of therapy and, and doing all this other stuff and hormones and all that before you can even really do the surgery. 
So what's crazy to me is that surgeons are just letting him do all this stuff to his body without really doing any sort of, you know, psychological sessions and things like that. With people who have gender reassignment, they have to go in and, and get, you know, meetings and talk to psychiatrists and therapists before they can even go any further. So they can determine that it's not they're not legitimately mentally ill. Vinny has found the public are split on his look with some adoring his unusual appearance and others hurling abuse or trying to physically hurt him. Now, now that's not right either. Well, that's fucked up. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't condone that at all. I mean, hell, if he was a good guitar player, I'd let him be in my band. You know, that'd be an awesome look for the stage. You know, fucking alien on guitar over here. Forget about it. That'd be awesome. And honestly, no doctor should be doing these procedures he's asking for anyway, especially removing his genitals. Yeah, you know, you'd have to think that uh, the whole uh, Hippocratic Oath of a doctor to not do harm, you know, that, that's got to be violating that on some level because, um, you know, that, that... So, yeah, here's, his, here's the total of his 110 surgeries, okay? 35 whole body and face laser treatments, 12 cheek fillers, 2 brow fillers, 15 lip fillers, 10 fillers for random wrinkles. What wrinkles? You're 17, or 19, if he's 19 years old or whatever. You're not... Wrinkles? He's 22, actually. My bad. But still, 22? Wrinkles? No wrinkles. Or 22? Uh, five Botox sessions. <laughs> Good luck ever smiling again. But I guess he doesn't want to because he's an alien. Yeah, aliens don't smile. Five nose procedures, one Botox under eye, five facial peels. Ugh. And 20 cryofacial freezing. What the fuck what is cryofacial freezing? <laughs> yeah, and another thing, uh, aliens don't have these luscious, pouty lips that this guy has. Good lord. <laughs> this guy has the poutiest... His lips are, patty, are, are, are poutier than Peter Weller in RoboCop. I mean, these are some <laughs> pouty-ass lips. He doesn't have... You're thinking of Robert John Burke no. for RoboCop 3. No, Peter Weller had some pouty lips... Under no, that he mask, doesn't. he did, and they were no, they were doesn't. luscious. They were. I'm not saying bad about them. They were luscious. He doesn't barely have any lips. What are you talking about? No. You're thinking of Robert John Burke. He has some big ass fucking lips. Well, either way, um, it's not Peter Weller. No way. <laughs> I know you're gonna stand up for this guy till the day you die. So Vinny's $160,000 surgery plans to become an extraterrestrial include, as we've said before, genital removal, nipple removal, belly button removal, forehead realignment, uh, okay, uh, <laughs> ear pinning, nose job, eyelid revision, jaw implants, cheek implants, Oh, but on nowhere on this list do I see lip thinning to make it just a slit with some cartilage. Because that's all a gray has. Oh, no. You still want your big pouty lips. Obviously, you don't want to be an alien that bad. Well, I've seen some alien drawings. With big like pouty lips? In some film, in some films, but, you know, it's not really a normal thing. It's kind of a Star Wars kind of alien look. Anyone who's talking about alien abductions, I've never heard them describe the alien looking like that. Most real-life grays are... are have like their mouth is just a slit because the the thought is that they don't use verbal communication they it's all telepathy they don't so their mouth is almost yeah. not even it's almost he like, looks like he's a fish or something with these lips <laughs> yeah he's got some big big ass fucking lips um so you know hey you know 
it's his body. It's the his doctors mom. are willing to actually do these procedures. I don't know why, but okay. Um, I guess, you know, good for him. I, I, I just, I hope he doesn't damage his body to the point where there's no coming back and to the point where it really affects his health. And if it gets to that point, then he, he should not, no surgeon should ever do any more surgery on him. If it gets to the point where it's hurting him. Now, the next uh, news is bizarre, and this is quite a, quite the finale, folks. We're talking about uh, Papa. <laughs> big Good Papa. old Papa. Big Papa John's. Getting some soda pop and some pizza. You like Papa John's. I like Papa John's. I, I, yeah, I do. You know, yeah. I mean, I prefer round table and some other. You know, but you know, I, I, I can, I can, I'll, I'll go for some Papa John's. Um, you know, I think the thing with Papa John's is you get, the, you get the, uh, the garlic butter to dip your uh, pizza in. Yeah, that's that's really kind of the selling point for me. Um, the, the guy himself, the Papa John himself, on all the commercials, he rubs me the wrong way. I have to say that Pop, Big Papa John well, rubs me. He's, he's got a he's got a mansion and everything and all of that. He, he rubs me the wrong way too. He just rubs me the wrong way because I I, I just I, I feel like uh, I feel like he's the kind of guy who yells at people like after they say cut on the commercial. All right, <laughs> and cut. Like I feel like he just starts yelling at people and like maybe like you can smell a little bit of alcohol on his breath. And I feel like I feel like Pop is probably so he's like Captain Kangaroo and that that <laughs> is that is that I, there, there was a stand up sketch I saw it was hilarious where he's talking about I always thought Captain Kangaroo was like some drunk or something after this you know after he's done with the set you know he's all like all right all right all right okay God damn it fuck <laughs> uh, yeah you know I think Captain Kangaroo is before your time Where's my beer. <laughs> I know it's definitely before my time, so I can't uh, can't relate to the Captain yeah. Kangaroo reference. But uh, yeah, so anyway, um, investigators in King County, Washington, arrested. Wow, what? Washington. Yeah, yeah, a bunch of yeah. It's right not, over here. Yeah, it's not just Florida, Mike. Yeah, bad shit can happen in your state too. I, I know that. <laughs> I know I take the award for most bad shit happening. But uh-huh. it's nice to see it happen somewhere else. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Investigators in King County, Washington, arrested two Papa John's employees on charges of selling cocaine and other drugs just outside the restaurant in Sammamish. You know where that's at, Mike? No. Okay. Uh, th- I have no clue. Three other people faced charges in the case. The arrests came Friday after a six-month investigation. And this, dude, this is this is perfect right here. Uh, this came Friday after a six-month investigation dubbed Operation Extra Olives by the <laughs> <laughs> by the King County Sheriff's Department. That sounds like a parody, like something that's on like a, a sketch comedy show or some shit. They're making fun of the FBI or something, and their crazy names for their investigations. Yeah, this is uh, Johnson. I'm calling in uh, Operation Extra Olives. The eagle has landed. I repeat, (laughs) Big Papa has landed. Uh, (laughs) The investigation started after the department received reports of employees allegedly selling drugs in the franchise's parking lot, according to a local uh, TV station. Undercover detectives said they were able to buy drugs from two different employees, according to KOMO-TV. 
Uh, quoting, I guess, one of the officers here, uh, Sergeant Cindy West, we sent undercover detectives in there, and sure enough, our undercover detectives were able to establish a relationship with a couple of these drug dealers. Once the connection was made, the detectives would order pizza at the Papa John's and specify extra olives and then meet the employees in the parking lot. The employee would then bring the pizza out, and in the box would be the cocaine. <laughs> On one occasion, the employees running the alleged drug ring didn't have any cocaine, so they introduced the detectives to friends. Quote, when we went to purchase the drugs, they didn't have any, so they sent us to another one. Then the same thing happened, so they sent us to another one. On Friday, detectives from the Sammamish Police Department... Bellevue Police Department and the Sheriff's Office executed search warrants for various locations in Bellevue and Sammamish, including at the Papa John's. Investigators said that all told, they found $28,000 in cash, plus quantities of cocaine, ecstasy, marijuana, oxycodone, LSD, and methamphetamine. Four people were arrested, including the two Papa John's employees. A fifth suspect turned himself in later, according to the Seattle Times. Detectives also found cocaine residue around the Papa John's cash register and in employee washing areas, according to KTLA. The names of the suspects have not been released, but they were booked in the King Ca- Kings County Jail without bail. <laughs> Papa John's... Who the fuck are, is the manager for this place? Was he on it? in on it, too? Well, you know, Washington... Well, you would think he would have had to have been. Washington and Oregon and all you liberal uh, Pacific... Uh, Northwest uh, states up there. You guys are just so fast. Hey, I'm not really a liberal. You know what? I, I I'm not. I'm not a part of either side. I choose to be completely just my own thing. Well, you guys are so liberal up there. You just allow anything <laughs> to go on there in your damn pizza box. You got cocaine instead of pepperonis. <laughs> You mean olives. So Papa John's uh, actually released a statement about the arrest Friday evening. Uh, quote, Papa John's has zero tolerance for this type of offensive and illegal behavior. The franchisee has confirmed that the employees involved with this situation are no longer employed. Well, Jesus, I would hope not. And we apologize for their actions. The franchisee is working in full cooperation with local law enforcement to resolve this matter. Furthermore... Yeah. Food, safety, and sanitation is, the up, uh, is of the utmost importance to Papa John's. The franchisee took immediate action steps with health department oversight, and the location was cleared to reopen. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is going to be that bad for the company. I'm not going to look at the company and be like, oh, wow, they're such a shitty company because of this happened. These are the employees that decided to do this. This isn't a corporate thing. Uh, um, this is a great end quote here. Customers like Victoria Edwards are willing to come back, but may be extra careful. Quote, I'm going to take a bite and make sure I don't get any weird post-nasal drip, and I'll let the kids have some. End quote. (laughs) That's pretty hilarious. I'm going to take a bite and make sure I'm not uh, high as fuck (laughs) after I take that bite. Make sure I'm not tripping the proverbial balls, as they say. That is nuts. That is crazy. Um, I think it's worse, though, for a business to be caught with their company having widespread cases of food poisoning or uh, not following uh, health you know, health and safety procedures and protocols. That, to me, is worse for a business than this one-off kind of, oh, a bunch of dumbasses sold drugs in, in the uh, location. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is this is just a freak. Uh, I'm know. not going to stop, you know, ordering Papa John's every now and then because of this. I mean, I don't think that's fair to the company. Like, oh, oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, this they was, sell drugs. This, this was just a <laughs> large drug dealers. You know? I mean, but it but it is it is a fun funny case though. It's one of those you're just like, what are you fuck? You got to be fucking kidding. Well, no, it actually happened. You would almost rather this happen than than have some kind of sanitation problem. Oh yeah, is- or, or 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 food poisoning. Yeah. Like there's this place called On the Border near over here in Vancouver, and they had a food poisoning outbreak, and uh, they tried in vain to get the place reopened. They reopened it and tried to get people to come back, but it was so bad, nobody came back. Even after uh, they were sending stuff in the mail for like really. Uh, like basically gift cards, essentially, and you know a bunch of coupons, but nobody really decided to come back uh, to the location because it just the the location had been marred by the the outbreak. Is this a Mexican restaurant? Yeah. Oh, you know that's weird because uh, I, I there's a chain of Mexican restaurants in Jacksonville called La Napolera, mm-hmm. and um, several of those restaurants, especially this one in this area called San Marco in Jacksonville. Um, they got busted for so many health code violations that uh, the, the store was condemned. And, and it's, it's just kind of one of those things now. Like when you, as a Jacksonvillian, when you go to Lanopolera, you know that you, you don't know what's in the back and you probably don't want to know what's in the back. You just know that mm-hmm. their food's good and it's cheap. And uh, you just hope to God you don't get salmonella or some other kind of... Yeah. Thing. Well, look at Chipotle. I don't know how they really survived their recent health health scare it's amazing i guess the the draw and the lure of chipotle for a lot of people is just so big that that you know that okay, didn't now, really phase them now that much. you've brought up now you've brought up a bigger issue you pronounce it chipotle okay now i i have to tell you something i my friend abigail who i would rag on when i first met her i ragged on her relentlessly because that's how she pronounced it. She said Chipotle. And I said, what? No, it's Chipotle. That's an L. And she... Okay, she all right. No, but but the <laughs> thing is, is I thought that she was just a dumbass. I thought there's... I was like... And she said other people say it like that too. I'm like, no, they don't. You're the only yes, one. Yes, they do. That's so weird. Why do... Why? Why would... Why would you... Why would... Why would you pronounce the L like a Y? Or or not even pronounce the L. That's so weird. It's Chipotle. It's a it's Chipotle. I know. It, it's one of those things. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I've just heard it so many times. It's how I thought that's just how it was pronounced. Chipotle. Oh, it's so weird. I, maybe you're right. I I, th- I think I don't think so though. I think it's Chipotle. Hey guys, it might be ch- <laughs> any any Spanish speaking people out there? Uh, how the fuck is this pronounced? Is it Chipotle or Chipotle? Because I it's, have, it's, uh, you mean Chipotle? I have a serious apology to make to my friend if it's Chipotle, because I relentlessly. I wasn't saying Chipotle. I was saying Chipotle. No, you know, Mike. Chipotle. I'm sorry, buddy. I have the audio. I can go back and prove that you were saying Chipotle. <laughs> Maybe that's one of those like weird like uh, that word like opens. No, it's Chipotle. It, it opens some riff in the universe and like people say. That I did not say if I said that. That's not what I heard in my head. Well, it, it's Chipotle, buddy. That's what you said. You said Chipotle. Anyway, I do not think I said it that way. 
We'll find out for sure. Yeah, uh, we'll have Regardless, to- I've been saying it not that way the entire time. Except for maybe that one time you might have heard me say that. Okay, well, we will... I will well, yeah, we, yeah, well, we shall see. Will, anyway, yeah. um... That's all the time. Yeah, it is oh. crazy with Papa John's. Make sure to double check and make sure you don't have extra olives on your uh, Papa John's pizza next time you order one. And, and uh, they, yeah, if, that's all we have for if, your po- for the podcast. If they are olives, yeah. make sure they are olives and not, in fact, tiny little baggies of methamphetamine. Um, but yes, that is all the time we have for the podcast. This was clocking in, according to my watch here, about around two hours. So another long one here. And it's starting to fucking rain. I swear, Mike, we've changed weathers in our states here because it's been raining nonstop for the past two weeks here. Uh, it's been gloomy over here, but yeah, not raining that much. A little bit. So anyway, um, if you want to follow Mike on YouTube and check out his video content, his uh, YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He does movie reviews. Um, He's done a lot of recent ones, a lot of recent movies recently, and uh, you should go check those out. He gets really into it. Very passionate. Uh, My YouTube channel is youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. Um, I do all kinds of videos. I do vlogs. I do game reviews. I do taste testing. Uh, my last video, I actually did a product review of something called the Airhawk, which is an air compressor. And it's supposedly this handheld air compressor that can blow up a car tire and the basketballs and all this other crap. So I really, it's one of those as seen on TV products. And I really put it to the test to see if it really stacked up to what it said it could do on the TV. And then, uh, lastly, but not leastly, uh, my new album's out. So make sure you check it out on iTunes. The band name is Dancing with Ghosts, and the uh, album name is Koyana Scotsi. If you look for it on Spotify, it's not on there. There's some English band named Dancing with Ghosts, and it drives me nuts because they're on there, and their shit is it's like folky. It's actually good for what it is, but it's not my music. Um, I wish that they would get rid of the name and let me have it because I don't think they're active. I think it's a they're, it's a dead page or band or whatever but their shit's still on there and it confuses people can you be like the real dancing with ghosts <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the real ghostbusters yeah um so yeah anyway that's uh that's all the plugs and crap for uh this week uh, i enjoyed this episode i had fun so i uh, hope you guys did too and uh have a good night see ya What's up, guys? The new Dancing with Ghosts album that I have been working on is out now. You can buy it on iTunes or Bandcamp.com or anywhere else online where music is sold. Uh, If you go on Bandcamp, you can get a CD, a compact disc. Isn't that old school and retro of me? Remember those? Uh, Or you could just message me on Facebook and say, hey, I want a copy of your CD and I will mail it out to you. But uh, yeah, it's out now and it is it is finished and it's uh, some good stuff. So uh, if you want to go out and check that out, then uh, like I said, search iTunes anywhere else. uh, Music is sold online or go to Bandcamp.com and search Dancing with Ghosts. Thank you.
more outtakes so you can laugh at Josh's many misfortunes. Recording. Um, you can clap or, you know, do that. And none of it, ha- well, yes. how, literally how I sync the audio is there's a little bit of headphone bleed from my headphones into the mic from oh, you okay. when you speak. So I have you on my track as well, but you're very, very quiet. So what I do is I crank the volume up on my audio track and then I'm able yeah. to sync, I'm able to sync you talking on my track with you talking on your track because I turn I turn my track up really loud, I turn your track down really soft and then I sync the two up to where you're talking in unison and then I turn mine back down and turn your yours back up and that's how I synchronize it. Whatever you're doing it it works, so yeah. it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I almost rely on the headphone bleed out to uh to to synchronize. Yeah. That's like the only way that I could really do it super accurately. Okay. Yeah, boring shit, technical jargon. Um, <laughs> all right, 51, here we go. Excuse me, I, I don't know why my phone is ringing. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't even hear it. Shut up. Shut up. No. Hang up. Oh, wow, did, did Mike fuck up for once and I have to do an edit because of him? <laughs> Wow. Stop calling me, John and Terry. <laughs> Mike, I didn't even know your phone had the ability to ring because you use it so so <laughs> infrequently. No, I, I am not going to stop doing this podcast, John and Terry. Stop calling me. <laughs> no, no, Nostalgia Critic. I'm not for the third time. I won't be on your channel. I just, I you know, I do my own thing. Uh, I'm just not going to be on one of your episodes. <laughs> That would never happen, but if it did, I have to admit it, I probably would take the offer, because he is still pretty popular. Well, yeah, I would hope you would. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but I'm um, sorry about that, listeners. Well, I, this is... My phone rarely ever rings. It's it's a first. It was my uh, credit union calling for some reason. I don't know why. Well, we're in edit. Um, we're in the edit purgatory right now, so nothing matters uh, that is said at this point. All right, uh, let me take a break here. I got to take a piss. Yeah, I need to take a break anyway. I'm going to call my credit union back. I'm worried about that. What are they calling me for? (laughs) All right, I'll be right back. I'm only human. (laughs) There's a problem, feathers iron. Bargain buildings, weights and pulleys Feathers hit the ground before the weight can reach the air By the sky and sell the sky Lift your arms up to the sky And tell the sky and tell the sky don't fall Oh wait, that's not the right chords. Mike, are you there? No, you're not there. Hmm. What in the hell? Duh. 
This one goes out to the one I love This one goes out to the one I've left behind Another prop that's occupied my time This one goes out to the one I love Fire! Nice, R.E.M. Yeah. This one goes out to the <laughs> one, I one I love. Yeah. <laughs> this one goes out to the one I've left behind. <laughs> A simple prop that's occupied my time. This one goes out to the one I love. All right, Mike, take the course. I don't remember the exact He just choruses. He just yells fire. One, two, okay. three, four. Fire! <laughs> fire! You're coming down on your own down. All right. So... What this was, it was, I don't know what it is. I, I, I called the number and it says, this number is invalid or this number doesn't exist anymore. I'm like, what uh, the hell a, is going on with my credit dial. union? What the hell is going on with my credit union? Ro- no, the normal number I call to get a hold of them, it's not, it does, it says this doesn't work anymore. So that's weird. That's strange. I don't think it's a robo dial. I think it's, uh, something maybe I looked at my line it looked like some other companies absorbing the credit union or something so is that what it is I don't know what the fuck is going on <laughs> it's a butt dial <laughs> <laughs> I, I checked my I, my uh, you know my account and everything's fine so I mean I was worried you can see why because my credit union rarely ever calls me so I'm like something going on <laughs> is somebody is somebody trying to use my card what's going on here what and I check my my uh, balance and everything, and everything's normal. So your 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 uh, your hundred thousand is still in there. <laughs> I wish. Mike, you I fucking know wish. Kind of yeah, I would. I I pay off my debts and I get my own place, and then I would buy everything off my Amazon wish list, and I'd be happy. And <laughs> <laughs> the road to happiness for you is very simple. I, and really, I would. And then, you know, maybe I'd, you know, invite my good friend Matt to move from Iowa to move in with me. I mean, that's 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 really the, you know, that, that'd be it. But we've been in a one-year union, and you wouldn't ask me to do anything? I'd, ha- I'd, I'd invite you over. But I could hang I, out I, I for a bit. Live there. Well, would would you want to? I I would think you'd rather live, you know, in no, your nice pad. I didn't want to, but it would have been nice for you to at least have offered. <laughs> <laughs> Just the gesture would have been nice. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm starting my period soon. <laughs> Awkward. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can make it awkward just between me and you when there's no one around. Because uh, there's something's always wrong. There's something always there to remind me. Dude, those are some. You heard a toad the, those are some. You heard a toad the wet spark sprocket? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that song. Something's always wrong. That uh, that those were some fierce electric '80s drums back then, and that always something there to remind me. It's like Jesus. Can you get more fake sounding than that? I don't think you can. Um. All right, ready to jump back into this here? You want? Uh, let's yeah, let's sure. talk about the Papa Johns I, first, and then the Alien second. Do you want me to do the what's her name? Her story. Oh fuck! I keep forgetting. Yeah, 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 yeah. You better do that. So we'll do that. Okay. We'll do that first, and we'll get into the news of the bazaar. All right. Okay. 